In this episode of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. You ask almost anybody on the street, what's a UFO? They'll be aware of it. Welcome to episode 120 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This episode is part five of the Paranormal Ponderings series of episodes. And in this one, we're going to talk about UFOs. This out of this world chapter of the Paranormal Ponderings series of strange, unusual, and just all around kind of weird episodes features an interview with Aaron Golius. Aaron is the host of The Saucer Life, an absolutely amazing podcast that deals with the lore and the history of UFOs and UFO-adjacent topics. I thought Aaron would be a great guest for this Bobcast. It's all about UFOs, really, for a couple of reasons. First of all, his approach to the subject of UFOs on The Saucer Life. Aaron and The Saucer Life, they don't really get into the nuts and bolts of proving and or disproving that UFOs exist or what UFOs are exactly. The focus of the saucer life is in the lore, the history, the stories of all things UFO related. I'm talking about UFO encounters, UFO sightings, abductions, contactee accounts of of people who say they've made contact with beings from UFOs, that type of thing. The good stuff, that's what Aaron covers. That's what the saucer life uncovers. The aspects of the whole UFO thing that I love so, so much. Secondly, Aaron has written several books about conspiracy theory related things, UFOs, more straight up paranormal topics like hauntings and stuff like that. Yeah, not only does Aaron host this really rad and really interesting podcast about UFOs and the like, he's also an author of several incredible books, not to mention he's also a historian and an educator, and he talks about all these subjects that are so very, very near and dear to my heart. He's kind of a weirdo like me. That's what I'm trying to say very, very long-windedly. Though I will say Aaron is a weirdo with a very impressive resume and list of accomplishments, especially when it comes to UFO history and lore. So that's why I asked Aaron to be part of this episode. Thank you so much, Aaron, for coming and talking to me. We're going to hear from him very soon. Now, you might be saying, well, Bob, what do UFOs have to do with the paranormal? Let me clarify that like I have at the beginning of every Paranormal Ponderings episode. It's very simple. Let's define the word Paranormal And the definition of paranormal, according to MiriamWebster.com, is just very simply something that's not scientifically explainable. That's it. And UFOs definitely fall under the umbrella of the paranormal or something that's not scientifically explainable. Here we are. We've got Aaron Gullius. We're going to talk about UFOs. A couple more minutes. Let me mention a couple things first. Would you like to hear this episode without ads, without any interruptions whatsoever? Well, you can. It's really easy. Just join the Bobcast Patreon. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob. Patron plans start at a dollar a month for access to ad-free episodes, ad and interruption-free episodes, I should say. Bobcast content you can't get anywhere else, like some of the Two Minutes of Terror episodes. Uh, exclusive interview videos from these interviews that I've done for other Bobcast episodes are going to be on Patreon exclusively until I make them available to the general public on YouTube. I've done that with a Pleasant Gaming interview that I did a couple months ago. 
so much more is coming as well. And seriously, it's a dollar a month. Even I can afford that, and I'm totally broke. Uh, higher tiers of the Patreon patron plans will include more benefits. You get free merch every couple months. We're going to be doing live streams very soon. A lot of really good stuff. So please join today. Help support the Bobcast. Every patron that signs up is one less DoorDash and or Grubhub order I have to deliver to the hungry masses of my area. And I thank you in advance for doing that. The music of this episode is from a band called The Band from Planet X. Yes, and they are a Canadian crew of creeps that are completely out of this world. The song in this episode from The Band from Planet X is titled Shadowland. That is going to show up halfway through the interview segment with Aaron, so definitely watch out for that. It's a great song. The band from Planet X, they're kind of a lo-fi horror surf band in some ways. You know, think the cramps a little bit, but they are from a better country than where the cramps came from. Yeah, the band from Planet X does come from a country that at the very least provides its citizens with health care. That seems kind of like a utopian planet that some UFO contactee people have said they've heard of from these, you know, beings that have come down to them and talked to them about things. Maybe it's like the planet Remulac that the Coneheads were from, you know? Well, let's move on. Why don't we get to the point where we can consume mass quantities with this episode of maybe UFO-related proteins? I don't know. We're going to have a few words from this episode's sponsor, Good Life Digestive Health, and then on to the rest of the episode. Please stay tuned. This human specimen you've discovered appears rather unremarkable. I suggest that we begin the examination. We may find some anomalies if we probe deep enough. The human digestive system is such a primitive yet complicated mechanism. Hold a moment. This human's digestive system is in pristine working order. What kind of technology do the humans have that could cause this? Scans indicate this human has been using the products from Good Life Digestive Health. Let me initiate a more detailed scan. Yes, I've found traces of several Good Life Digestive Health dietary supplements in this human's nutrition utilization and disposal tract. Digest Plus... Healthy Bowel Support, Diver Calm Botanicals, and Enteric Coated Peppermint Oil are all present. Amazing. Where could such a primitive species have obtained products of this quality and utility? You don't need to have warp drive technology to get your hands on the products of Good Life Digestive Health. Simply go to goodlifedigestivehealth.com to browse the amazing selection of natural, holistic remedies and nutritional products available for those suffering from diverticulitis, ulcerative colitis, irritable bowel syndrome, and other bowel and gut disorders. Good Life Digestive Health, out-of-this-world products that can help bring balance and restore good health to your digestive system. Disclaimer, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This information slash products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'd like to welcome Aaron Gullius to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to me, Aaron, and taking the time to do that. I really do appreciate it. 
Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Great. Uh, you are an author, historian, educator, and podcast host. Just to mention kind of a few of the hats that you do wear, UFOs, UFO lore, and UFO kind of related conspiracy topics are some of the things that you talk about in your podcast and also kind of in your books as well. One thing I want to ask you about, kind of get this elephant out of the broom right away. Reading a blurb about one of your books, it said you used to be a kind of shadow government conspiracy believing person. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, in a, in a way. I, I think those those early days, I'm in my mid-40s, and so the early days of internet access for me in college, when it was all very new there in the mid-90s, you know, you you happen across. Uh, I was going to say websites, but they weren't websites at the time. It was it was Usenet uh, groups and FTP sites and and things and email lists and things like that, wow. where you've got supposed government insiders talking about things. And and I, I realized you know pretty quickly that this stuff was all you know several years old. And if it was true, then gosh, wouldn't the world look different than it does? You know, <laughs> right. wouldn't wouldn't would you all know what's going on? I mean, after all, the new world order was supposed to take over in like. 1991, but right, clearly, right after the clearly, first Gulf War, right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, unless, unless they did, and, uh, and, and the big know. scam oh, is yes. that, yeah, is that that they keep it hidden, right? But yeah, I was, I was more, more into the. It's like the X Files poster. I want to believe, right? I, sure. I, I kind of wanted to, um, to, to, to some of it to be true. Um, I, I thought that you know, very quickly realized that. What I believe is that there are weird things that have happened to people and that none of the explanations from any party involved, skeptical or believer, necessarily always fit. Uh, so it, it's, there's interesting stuff and weird stuff that's happened. And what we can really study and the only thing we can sort of truly study is is the stories that people tell about it and uh, the, the stories that that experiencers themselves tell and the stories that um, in quotes researchers tell trying to put these things all together and, and, and trying to connect the dots so for in, in a sort of scholarly sense I, I began sort of having an interest in tracing the development of uh, of these stories over time and and how they change and how in a lot of ways they just get recycled and recycled and recycled over and over and over again. Very interesting. Okay. And it's almost like the, gosh, you could almost say it's the same way with world religion has been the same way going back to like the Sumerians and then moving forward into, you know, the Israelites and the, how similar Christianity was to older religions and on and on. So these tales of UFO encounters and, and the like, and I've heard this connection before, a lot of them do tell kind of the same tale over and over again, right? Yeah, and 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 there are there are some similarities, and um, the 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 group of people I'm most interested in um, have become no, become known as contactees, people who who claim to have had face to face or telepathic in some cases channeled uh, communications or or some kind of of contact with usually human like beings from other planets. Their, their big heyday was the 1950s and 1960s, but elements, especially channeled stuff, have continued on through uh, on through today. And, and they generally share some, some similarities. They, uh, they, 
they meet the space people and the space people have a message for humanity. This message is generally about peace and harmony and developing human consciousness beyond the material level and leaving behind things like war and, and violence and things like that. And so if you're sort of cynical or skeptical, you can look at it and say, well, these are just story copycat stories over and over and over again. If you're a little more, I don't want to say gullible, but if you're a little more credulous or you you really want to sort of give everybody the benefit of the doubt, then my gosh, it's it's amazing that all these people are having the same experiences. Sure, there must right. be something going on here. So there's there's two ways uh, there's two ways to look at it. And you've got things like abductions, which, you know, there's there's general patterns and there's there's, you know, it's not always the the sort of you know, violent body horror probing type of abduction. Sometimes um, there's some abduction researchers who've said, if you have a, a violent sort of bad abduction experience, it wasn't the aliens, it was the the secret government agents who are trying to make the aliens look bad right. and, and, and generate um, distrust. But, you know, you've got general, general patterns uh, to these things. Yeah. Very interesting. Now, what made you decide at what point in your life did you say, you know, I really want to start looking into ufos and kind of talking about it and also the conspiracy side of things i know you mentioned back at the beginning there that you, you kind of dabbled in it in old bbs message board type stuff mm -hmm. almost when yeah. you're in college was that really your beginning into this world of, of strangeness that was i mean apart from library books as a kid reading about which which i i found interesting and then x-files started when i was a senior in high school so that that was like the perfect sort of intersection of, uh, of ufo books from the library then the x-files then i'm exposed to the the nascent internet uh, all in in a, in a very quick sort of sort of three-year period um but professionally when i was in graduate school i, I needed a topic for my master's thesis and uh, it came down to uh cold war flying saucer belief or cold war professional wrestling and I, um, wow, what a choice. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, both are fun, but I just, sure. I, I couldn't get my hands on enough cold war professional wrestling <laughs> material to actually do anything with. So it was, uh, it was flying saucers. And, um, I, 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 I tell students, you know, you, you do better at something when you're interested in it. So, you know, it's a topic I had an interest in It's a topic I I'd already done a lot of back background reading about. So um, it, it just sort of worked out like that. And then probably about 10 years later, I'm working and, and teaching and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I've got this master's thesis sitting here. I could turn this into a book. And, and mm -hmm. that sort of ended up becoming my um, my first book, uh, um, Extraterrestrials in the American Zeitgeist. And then I started getting interviewed on podcasts. And then eventually I decided, eh, I might as well do my own podcast. Right. Um, and you know, there's enough paranormal interview podcasts out there. This was about four years ago, I think, and uh, I decided, well, what if I, what if I did like, you know, something like Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, but not eight hours long, and about flying saucers. So, so that was kind of the, the genesis of the of the that whole thing. So that's sort of the development of how sort of my interest turned into a hobby. Really. Sure, yeah. sure. And in some ways a career in, in right. with your book right. or, and or you an know, aspect, yeah, an, an aspect, aspect of, of your career. career. Certainly, yeah. certainly. Well, great. The current climate of say ufology, UFO research, that type of thing, we've seen a lot of the Q type of conspiracy mm -hmm. level people get involved in 
ufology in some ways i mean i think they've always been there as well just they've been there they've been a lot louder with the social media being (laughs) as prevalent as it is these days yeah Yeah. what do you think about those people getting involved you know you got these people that have very strange political views in some ways and they're bringing that level of conspiracy to an already kind of conspiracy fueled uh, realm in some ways yeah it's not new uh, there's like I said, it's, it's a conspiracy fueled realm all the way back to the 1950s. You had the government cover up of the UFO truth conspiracy talk going around um, in the 1970s. You start to have some influence from the far right. Um, the all the Nazi UFO stuff. A lot mm. of that was promulgated by an actual Nazi uh, named uh, Ernst Zundel up wow. in Canada um, who got in a lot of trouble for writing like holocaust denial books and things like that and 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 basically he sort of was using the nazi ufo stuff as and putting ads and tabloid like weekly world news you you know buy this book about nazi secret nazi ufos and you know what he was doing was he was helping build his mailing list for his um his book catalog book publishing catalog that also had a lot of actual nazi stuff in it now for the most part the, the ufo field does not really know that it doesn't get that extreme but there are extreme elements to it and that's been a history and as far as the the sort of q oriented stuff um my new book that's coming out i think later this fall uh, looks at what i call triumphalist conspiracy theories conspiracy theories with a happy ending like like q um you know the you know, the white hats are going to take over and and the bad guys are going to gitmo and everything's going to be fine and i look at q and i also look at the ufo disclosure movement from mm. the 1990s to the present because it's it's very much the same thing we are on the right side of history they say we know the truth about the aliens and their presence here what we know will soon be public because people we trust are inside the government working for disclosure. And when it happens, we will have the benefits of all of this, um, all of this, um, you know, alien technology that will solve all of our problems. And there's started to be some, uh, some crossover between the, uh, the, the, the Q stuff and some of the, the big UFO disclosure, uh, people. There's one guy named Michael Sala, who has been a UFO disclosure advocate since the 1990s. He's a, a political scientist of some flavor. And um, he, he claims to have developed a new field of study called exopolitics, which is the political science of Earth and other planets, which sort of takes a lot. You have to sort of take a lot for granted to, to sort of go with that, right? <laughs> Certainly, yes. But, um, but he, uh, he, he started you know, looking at some of the, the, the Q drops, the messages that were being promulgated on, on, on 4chan and 8chan. And he started seeing patterns that fit into his beliefs about UFO disclosure. So he weaves the Q stuff into his UFO disclosure talk and it's, it's insidious. And, and he's, he's was very careful to say, now, if this is true, then it could mean this lots of lots of qualifiers lots of lots of weasel words things like that but you started to see some um some more direct crossover in 2019 and 2020 um uh, uh, you know in addition to the sort of thematic similarities of q stuff and ufo disclosure stuff absolutely wow and now you know you, i i love what you said back there a couple minutes ago about some of these people, the conspiracy level people saying once full disclosure happens, 
we'll get we'll reap the benefits of this technology that supposedly the government is hiding. It's going to solve a lot of our world problems. And I just want to make a side note. That sounds an awful lot like socialism to me. So, and I don't think most of those Q people would appreciate that. You know, <laughs> right? it, it, it really is. It really is. You know, n- none of the alien space brother races back in the fifties and sixties were, were capitalists at all. And, <laughs> right. and so, um, a lot of times, if you look at some of the FBI files of, uh, the, that have been FOIA'd of, of some of these contactees back in the 1950s and sixties, and I've got, um, the FBI files of the Detroit flying saucer club. And it's really interesting because people would go to these flying saucer club meetings and hear about, you know, Hey, we've, you know, you know, Furcon from Venus has a uh, a message about how material wealth and greed are bad things, and people are sitting at these meetings like, "Holy hell, this sounds like this sounds like communism." communism. And, and <laughs> writing to the local FBI office and and getting you know getting agents wanting wanting agents to investigate. Most of the time, what the feds were concerned about was not that they might have socialism on Venus. They were more concerned with uh, cases where UFO people were implying they had connections to the government that did not have um uh, in some cases posing as law enforcement officers or government uh employees when they were not so there was you know some some concern um among some members of the public that that some of the ufo talk might be uh you know suspect at best but the the, the feds wow. generally you know they, they were you know concerned when the contactees were posing as officials when they weren't, or when they seem to have lots of connections to people in other countries, uh, any sort of international ah. aspects, sort of, sort of got some scrutiny, um, just because, you know, it was a very sort of espionage-laden time. And, it uh, was, certainly. And a, very, a lot of blacklisting going on yes, and a lot a very, of that, yes. Very paranoid time. Yeah, if, if any of the contactees had real jobs, they probably would have been blacklisted from them at some point. But wow. <laughs> um, m- most of them were able to, um, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of times they were self-employed and, and making a living with their uh, their UFO stuff in a lot of ways. Uh, so they lucked out. Most people with day jobs probably in the 1950s or 1960s wouldn't have risked that um, sure. to, to become a, a UFO celebrity. Some, some did, but uh, for the most part, these are people who were already in some ways on the fringes of society and uh, and sort of sort of uh, embracing that and making that uh, making that work. Certainly. I mean, I, I'd almost use John Keel as an example of that for like kind of later times. I mean, more 60s. Well, that yeah, like kind of you were saying, but wow, it's, it, it's very interesting to me that anyone could survive off of writing a newsletter or a magazine about UFOs and a book here and there, and that would be enough to get by through their right. lives, yeah. right? It's yeah, almost like it's, something we can't comprehend right now because it's not how it works anymore, you know? No. I, I mean, the idea of, of being a, a full-time journalist on the paranormal beat is it's laughable. If somebody, were to, yes. if somebody were to tell me that was their plan, I'd be like, you might want to rethink that because, <laughs> that, that's, plan too because that's yeah. not uh, that's not a plan. That, no. That's just a, a dream. A dream right? and a hobby. A great <laughs> yes. hobby. A fun hobby at that. Yeah. But yeah. You're not going to make, you may not make a living at that. No. no. <laughs> okay. Your podcast, The Saucer yeah. Life. In the about section on the podcast website, there's a statement and I love it. The Saucer Life is a podcast which explores the history and lore of flying saucers or UFOs, if you like, through the lens of individual stories of encounters, sightings, concepts, or events. 
stories is the key word. Mm -hmm. We are not interested in either proving or debunking anything. Rather, we're treating flying saucers as folklore. The question is, why for the podcast did you decide to take that angle of looking at it and talking about flying saucers and UFOs and the like from the folklore angle rather than any other angle? It really was a very sort of practical decision to not put myself in a position where I could be expected or would be expected to render a verdict on mm, um, okay. on these things. I'm, I'm not in the business of determining necessarily whether or not a claim is true, whether or not an encounter actually happened, whether or not the witnesses did one thing or another that they said they did. Those things come up um, as a part of exploring the stories, but uh, it isn't... Um, it isn't my goal to to either, on the one hand, promote a story as true or to to debunk it for the sake of debunking it, um, because that's, I don't know, I don't find that as interesting as just exploring the story and how it developed and uh, what the consequences of it were for the UFO field in general or, or for the people involved or anything like that. So I think approaching these things as uh, as stories, as myth, as legend, as uh, as folklore, as um, as relevant examples of what flying saucer culture is and has been over the last 70, gosh, going on 80 years. Right. I, I think that was a good way to look at it. And there really weren't a lot of people doing that sort of thing. Um, at least not on a, on a consistent basis. There's more now. Um, but, but four years ago, paranormal podcasting was, was pretty much interviews and, and some of them were great and some of them were, were not, uh, but it was, you know, interview, the interview format sort of, uh, sort of ruled and I didn't want to do that. So I thought looking at the stories as stories and sort of emphasizing that the story aspect was, was the most, uh, is the thing that was best suited to what I'm good at, which is telling stories. Oh, very good. Yeah, I appreciate the angle, definitely, because it is something that I love very, very much. It's just that any type of folklore or stories. And I love that you're saying, you know, <laughs> I'm not here to, to to prove or disprove anything. Right. I just want right. to talk about kind of the history, the myth, the stories. It's beautiful. What do you find the most interesting Regarding kind of UFO sightings, abductions, contactees, that thing, what what really, you know, gets you, say you hear a story, and what would make you say, oh my gosh, I have to talk about this one on the podcast because this one's great. Anything that makes it different than some of the ones around it. Because like I said, a lot of contactee stories tend to be kind of of same, uh, same, similar to each other, very mm. samey. Um, but there are some that, are just weird and just different. Uh, there's a guy from California in the 50s named Orfeo Angelucci who had a contactee encounter, but it was it was interesting in a sort of from a sort of storytelling way because it was printed, his story was was printed in in kind of a, a self-published pamphlet, and then it was revised and expanded for a magazine, and then it was revised and expanded again for a book. And each of these sort of iterations of it had, you know similarities and differences. So that was interesting to me. But also there were things in it that that you didn't see in a lot of other uh, contactee tales, uh, particularly some 
sensory aspects. He's on the ship and he hears music. It's earth music though. He, he reckon, mm. he, you know, tells us what the name of the song is. And I, off the top of my head, I can't remember what it is, but he hears this music. They're playing music for him. They give him a, a drink. They drop this pill in a glass of ginger ale and it dissolves and he drinks it. And he basically has what looks like a psychedelic experience of some kind as, as part of these contact encounters. So, so things like that jump out at me. Uh, other things, there's a guy named Reinhold Schmidt, and he claimed to be a contactee. And he was so excited about his story that he ended up making a movie out of it called Edge of Tomorrow, not the one with Tom Cruise. This right. is a different <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow. It's, uh, it was directed by I can't remember his name, but he directed Mesa of Lost Women, which I believe was a Mystery Science Theater uh, 3000 feature back in the day. And uh, he, he later did a, a bunch of um, sort of Christian exploitation movies where the communists come in and kill all the Christians, those, those kinds of oh, movies my. that they show at revivals and things like that. But um, I, I'm... I can't believe I can't remember his name. But, uh, but, but the thing about Reinhold Schmidt was he was lying. Uh, well, we're pretty sure he was lying. Uh, the, the court said he was lying when he sold a bunch of shares of a company to mine minerals pointed out to him by the aliens. Uh, he, he basically conned a bunch of little old ladies out of money um, wow. saying, well, the aliens told me where to find these valuable minerals. And, and so using this knowledge, we're all going to get rich. Um, he went to prison for fraud uh, for a while. For that. Oh so that that's an interesting story when um it's not just you're selling a story that isn't true you're selling a story that isn't true you know specifically to defraud somebody Certainly. And, and some people on, on the sort of skeptical side of things say well that's what they all do because they sell a book with things in it that aren't true well no you're paying 10 bucks for a book you got a book you know right, you're not right. you're not paying for veracity you're, you're you're paying for a physical book but when you uh when you sort of sell investments and things like that that's that's a little harder to what uh, to say well that those crazy flying saucer people you know they they're always up to something well you know reinhold schmidt was up to something so i like <laughs> i like ones that that have little bits of of weirdness and, and things like that there's some interesting uh contactee stories from uh from europe that are uh that are that are pretty good and a little different from the american ones uh there are some from africa and and when i say africa i don't mean necessarily people of African descent in Africa. What you've got are basically descendants of colonists who are having contactee experiences, hmm. you know, back in the 1950s and 60s. So most of the, you know, African contactee cases, they're they're white South Africans. And oh, um, wow. and one woman named Elizabeth Clarer had, uh, she said, and this was one that caught my eye because she was a woman, and also because she claimed to have um, had a child by an alien named Akon, who uh, I think I can't remember the name of the planet, but it wasn't one in our solar system. It was a weird <laughs> okay. planet, and um, she had this this child with him, and that's usually what gets talked about. Is oh, she had contact experience in the fifties, then wrote a book about it in the seventies. What usually gets left out, and what I sort of focused on more, was the the fact that. Whereas, you know, contactees in California or New Jersey are, you know, you know, fears of nuclear war. We must avert nuclear war. Um, Clara was talking about the impending race war that was oh going my. to engulf things, which from the point of view of a white English descended woman in South Africa in the 1970s, yeah, you, you're probably thinking that. That is probably more of a possibility for you in 
apartheid South Africa than a nuclear war. That's more of a concern. So we, we see, you know, how people try to deal with the, uh, the social and cultural and, and, and political things through these uh, these contactee stories as well. And so that one jumped out at me as being um, you know, interesting and different as well. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that is so amazing that just the tie between those fears that already exist in people, mm -hmm. how that kind of comes out when they tell their, their contactee story.
the next question, how big and important a part do you believe UFOs and sightings and all that are to American folklore in general? I mean, do you think these stories are kind of up there with the Johnny Appleseeds, with the Davy Crockett's, that type of thing? I think they are. I, I don't know that we see them that way because it's an ongoing thing. You know, and, and Johnny Appleseed and Davy Crockett and and Paul Bunyan were, you know, specific, you know, there there were specific places and times, right? To an era, very specific yeah, to an yeah, era, right? You know, Davy yeah. Crockett, especially Daniel Boone and Johnny Appleseed, even though he roamed all around, you know, basically the Ohio Valley, but um, right. you, know, you know, places <laughs> like I'm I'm originally from from Fort Wayne, Indiana, right. so every every fall is the Johnny Appleseed Festival and in, in Johnny Appleseed Park. So, um, yeah, th those things are, are are sort of confined to a specific time, and and UFO things are ongoing. But if we look at the longevity, if we look at the fact that you ask almost anybody on the street, what's a UFO? They'll be aware of it. Sure. They, most people have heard of Roswell. They might not know anything about it, but they've heard of it and think it's kind of important and might have something to do with that UFO thing. You've got, um, a consistent presence in the media, both in the, in the sense of news and documentaries, but also, um, also fictional accounts and portrayals elements of what some people actually believe to be true. Uh, about UFOs have been uh, have been fictionalized and uh, and sort of almost people take for granted that a viewer will know what Area 51 is or know what a gray looks like. Sure. I, I think that the, the first time I really noticed this in a in a major way was uh, Independence Day when it came out because there were aspects to that, especially you know the government having alien materials and, and having done research on these things since the forties at a secret base out in the desert. I mean, that's, you know, it was, it was presented as, you know, the audience didn't need to know all of that history about area 51 and all that right. to understand what was going on. But if you did know about it, you're sitting there sort of, sort of nodding as like, Oh yeah, yeah. They incorporated this and then your inner nerd kicks and, and they got this wrong and they got this wrong and they got this wrong. Uh, so all of <laughs> right. that stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I think it, it's absolutely sort of a, a cultural, uh, a, a cultural force The the difference is you don't necessarily have a lot of, you know, Johnny Appleseed truthers out there. Um, you know, complaining right. that nobody takes the tale of Johnny Appleseed seriously enough. And can we please have congressional investigations into Johnny Appleseed and his activities? It's you don't have people out there, you know, with proof of, you know, this, this is the skeleton of, of Babe the Blue Ox. You know, we've got we found Paul Bunyan's axe handle. You know, so <laughs> it's, you know, there, there's there's elements of the UFO thing that are that are that are mythical and, and storytelling. And there's other elements that are. You know, there's no question that the Air Force has at various times taken an interest in the subject and officially publicly, you know, carried out investigations. Um, Project Blue Book was sort of the public face of that, but they did it before that with Project Grudge and, and, and Project Sign. Just because they came to conclusions that UFO people don't like doesn't mean that the government wasn't taking it seriously to one degree or another. And in the news recently, we've had all of this stuff for the past few years with, you know, the, the Defense Department. You know, taking sightings seriously and, and, right. and video taken by the Navy and and sort of differing accounts of who had which job in the Pentagon <laughs> at which time. It, <laughs> it becomes very, very confusing. And honestly, I find it very dull. I, if I never hear about 
a tic tac shaped object sighted by pilots. I don't oh care. my gosh! You know, yes, it's like yes. it's like, and, and plain old UFO sightings don't really get me that excited either, unless a bunch of people see it all at one time, which is kind of interesting. But you know, Fred saw something. Fred saw light in the sky. Well, good for Fred. You know what? <laughs> right, right. What are you gonna What are you gonna do with that knowledge? You're gonna put it in the filing cabinet with a million other UFO sightings, none of which have solved anything one way or the other. And if you've yeah. got a photo, that's cool, but it's never been easier to fake photos oh, and to, to fake yeah. videos. So I think an, an interesting UFO photo from the 50s or 60s or even the 70s or 80s is a lot more interesting than you know something somebody took recently because you know things can be faked and with regard to the government angle there, there's a history of you know government sponsored or promoted disinformation about ufo stuff as well so sure. you know you you, you can't uh, you trust no one right that's what, <laughs> right. what we learned what, what all of us gen xers learned back in the 90s trust no one we did and <laughs> it's it's good I mean, from from birth we learned that you know, it's, it's good advice in the UFO field. Listen to people's stories and take from them things you find interesting and, and look for patterns. And But don't fool yourself that you're going to come to to any conclusions that anybody else is sort of, you know, compelled by ironclad logic to accept. A lot of these experiences that people have are so subjective and so personal that it's it's a mystery and i think the mystery is fun and the mystery is kind of yeah, the point absolutely. in yeah. some ways that's the fun part that yeah. is literally yeah. the fun part because if it's not fun like that uap report was one of the least fun documents yes. i've ever read in my life right yes. and it's like i don't care that much about this you know oh great well i see they're gonna throw a bunch more money into research and study and which could be a good thing i guess i, I don't think know. that's the point because I would be very interested to know who will be carrying out this research and study. Will it be right. the government or will it be outsourced to people who may have been the people putting the pressure on Congress to investigate things more thoroughly? So is this all just a money-making operation? Because there are organizations and people who've gotten quite a lot of taxpayer money over the years to do various things who then end up being on the periphery of the UFO field. And uh, it's, it, it's a very sort of tangled, uh, tangled thing. Very interesting. Follow the money is the That's answer. Right. Always, is always follow the money, right? Trust, trust no one and follow the <laughs> money. No one if if, if the you money. obey those two rules, you can, you can pretty much figure out, uh, figure out uh, anything. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's true. I did want to ask, I've noticed you've had topics on, the saucer life podcast that you've revisited several times maybe some kind of favorite topics mm -hmm. of yours a bigfoot and mothman or two yeah that i've seen you've kind of gone back to is there yeah. any real specific do you have favorites that you really I, like to say well we're going to go back and talk about this again at another I, time I, as well as this i time. do um i think the mothman thing and uh, i just i just got back from i think my third trip to point pleasant i just like going down there. Um, and uh, it, it, I like the Mothman thing because it is a UFO story. There were, there were numerous yeah. UFO sightings around there. And I, I think the I think that 
one of the reasons I did several episodes about Mothman is I, I kept looking at it from different angles. I was looking at it from hmm. strictly from what newspaper accounts said and sort of tracing that. And then I was sort of looking at it from the point of view of, of John Keel. Johnkeel.com has a, a huge archive of Keel's letters and notes and things like that because he wrote the Mothman prophecies several years after the actual, the actual event was in 67 Mothman prophecies came out in the mid seventies right. and, and was, yeah. you know, very sort of crafted and, and shaped and th things like that. It's a, it's, it's a factual account, but it's not necessarily a journalistic day by day snapshot of what was going on. So if you look at Kiel's letters back and forth with uh, Mary Heyer, the, the newspaper writer there um, from the Athens newspaper. I can't remember the name of the, the newspaper in Athens. She was the Point Pleasant, West Virginia correspondent for the Athens, Ohio newspaper. Hmm. Um, you, you look at that correspondence, you see sort of how it parallels the newspaper stories. And it's sometimes a bit different from the, the, the eventual account in, in the Mothman Prophecies book. And, and Bigfoot, I, I just like because there are numerous UFO crossovers with Bigfoot. And right. the, the hardcore flesh and blood Bigfoot types do not like the sort of paranormal they, Bigfoot thing. They um, do not appreciate it. No, no they don't. No, they do not. It's just, a, it's just a hidden ape that we haven't found yet. Well, then why haven't we found it? I mean, what what about all this evidence you say you have? What about the fact that, that every time somebody goes out Bigfoot hunting, it seems like they find some evidence of Bigfoot? No, nobody's really... Yeah, if we're, we're, <laughs> right. I, 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 there's got to be a Bigfoot corpse somewhere. If it's just a big monkey or ape or whatever, um, I'm not a biologist. I don't know. Um, it, there's got to be a body somewhere. There, there's there gotta, has to be. There's got to be something that, and I, I'm sure somebody's like, well, there was a body, but it was stolen, or there was DNA that was inconclusive, which isn't the same as unknown to science, right? Oh, right. Um, so lots of things can make tests inconclusive, uh, but yeah, the um, UFO, Bigfoot, and, and various types of paranormal UFO stuff is, uh, or paranormal Bigfoot stuff is, um, is, is kind of fun. And, and it's nice to, to sort of take a detour away from strictly, um, strictly flying saucers sometimes into, into sure. sort of flying saucer adjacent kinds of, uh, kinds of fields. Yeah. Very nice. And that's, that's really the perfect lead in for the next question. Uh, Hellier. That's something yeah. I noticed you talked about, you know, on your podcast, or actually more in a, you had a blog post, yeah. I believe, yeah, about I just Hellier. A review of it, yeah. What do you think about their approach and, and you know, season one and season two? Yeah. It really kind of blew the paranormal world's mind, I think, in some ways. You it know? really did. And what I, what I loved about it is that they introduced new viewers and especially, I think, younger viewers to a number of concepts that were on the, the, the sort of fringiest edge of a fringe topic. I, I never thought that a show that was getting so much sort of popular acclaim within the broad paranormal field, you know, I, I never thought I'd, I'd, I'd turn it on and see reference, you know, I'd see an interview with Alan Greenfield, you know, who, right. who's always been, you know, sort of in the center of things, but, but sort of on that, that sort of that central to that fringe between the occult and the paranormal and ufology. I mean, if you asked a dozen sort of old school ufologists, you know, who's in your top 10, nobody would say 
Alan Greenfield, probably. Um, sure. But but his books like Secret Rituals of the Men in Black and Secret Cipher, the Euphonauts and, and, and things like that were incredibly interesting when, when they came out. And to see people doing things with that and looking at, at Indrid Cold and interviewing Tanya Derenberger, Woody Derenberger's daughter, who's, who's written a very strange book about how Indrid Cold kept you know showing up all throughout her childhood and she knew all these guys and, and she posted on Facebook a while back that um, one of them, Carl Ardo, he died in a saucer crash. Weird stuff. Um, oh, right. But, but, but just <laughs> seeing all this on the screen and seeing it bl- sort of blow up as huge as it did and and sort of seeing them move conversation away from nuts and bolts alien spacecraft ufo talk to bringing elements of ufological history into a larger sort of you know occult or paranormal world was really really interesting and i really admire the level of sort of hard work and dedication that these people have to this. This is a huge job to make something oh, yeah. like this. And it's, it's not a, it's not a big crew and they, they threw right. it out there. I, the, the first, first and second seasons, I mean, you could just go and download the high def copy of the episodes from their website, you know, right. and, and sort yeah. of word of mouth got it picked up by, you know, you know, Amazon and, and other streaming services. And it was, yeah, it was a, it was a real happening and I'm excited to see, what they do next because they i just really like how they got the conversation moving in directions that that honestly make make some ufo people kind of uncomfortable and irritated which is which is good you know it's <laughs> certainly like, is. I, whenever you stop talking about hell year i don't care about goblins oh you should care about goblins because <laughs> right. goblins are you know they're out there man it's, it's it's very likely tied together in yes. some ways it seems yeah. like you know and that tin love, can <laughs> oh my god and even the balloon the, the balloon balloon yeah. oh boy getting down to the end here have you yourself ever actually seen any type of ufo or some kind of unexplainable paranormal activity possibly ghosts even, yeah anything? um it's weird i uh, i mentioned that i was in point pleasant uh, a few weeks ago for the third time and i was out i i was more recent episodes I, I sort of talk about this i was out in the the tnt area which is yeah. now a, a wildlife reserve that that's also i, I think probably a, a, a toxic waste dump you know weird combination of sort of rewilding this this sort of horrible chemical industrial area from world war ii and and turning it into you know hunting preserves and things like that but i, I was out there i was uh, on this sort of dirt gravel very narrow road and in front of me was i'm not making this up a black cadillac you know like the men in black supposedly drive right so yeah it pulls over and lets me go around them which i thought was was weird but i was like ah, they, they probably think i'm in a hurry or something so then i sort of turn off and let them get in front of me because you know i don't trust them so i'm following this black cadillac down this this sort of gravel road and i'm doing about 15 20 miles an hour because it's really loose gravel and i'm in a, a smaller car with front wheel drive and i'm, I'm pretty secure but i, I don't want to go too fast this um Cadillac is about 15, 20 feet, eh, about 20, 25 feet ahead of me. It goes over a sort of rise and around a curve. And so do I. And when I do, they're not there. And I didn't oh see, I didn't see anywhere for them to turn off. That doesn't mean there wasn't, but there's no way they could have gotten what gone far enough quickly enough that I just didn't 
see them. And, you know, going that way and then coming back, I didn't see anywhere where they could have turned off. And when they went by me, when I, I pulled off, I looked in the windows and there were people in there, but I, I couldn't discern any features. It was weird. It's like my brain wouldn't register who was driving the car. And that might just be, you know, because I wasn't thinking about it. When, when it happened, um, I was just like, well, that's weird. Wonder where they went. And then in a little bit, it sort of, it sort of sunk in. And um, on the episode, uh, the Point Pleasant interlude episode up on at saucerlife.com, you can listen to it. And I've got a recording of, of the, the video message I sent to um, sent to some of my, uh, my, my friends about that, sort of my very sort of immediate reactions to the bizarre ghostly phantom Cadillacs. That, that's really the closest thing uh, to a paranormal experience I've had. And what it is, is, you know, probably they turned off somewhere that I didn't see. That that's probably sure, what it sure. was, but at the time, at the moment, it did not. Uh, it did not feel like that at all. Sure, it, and I can understand that. And look yeah. where you were, right? right? I mean, the area is very rich yeah. in the history of unexplainable circumstances. Yeah, you know? it was. So. It, it it freaked me out a little bit. Um, now I, I sort of laugh at it, but right right at the time, I was like, that was that was strange. That <laughs> it was strange. a little creepy. Yeah. Wow. Well, great, Aaron. Thank you so much. That's really all I have for you. But I do want to ask what's coming up, kind of what's next for you with Saucer Life. And you have, you said you have a book on the way, hopefully a little bit later this fall. Yeah. Um, the book is uh, called We Shall Be Victorious, I think is the, the name they came up with, uh, Triumphalist Conspiracy Theories in American Politics uh, from the 90s to the present. That's coming out from uh, McFarland Books later this fall, uh, probably closer to the end of the year. On the Saucer Life, we're going to be doing some more contactee stuff coming up, uh, a contactee from South Africa. And then we've got some stuff about the disclosure movement in the nineteen uh, the 1990s as well. So those episodes are coming up as well as the sightings in Leveland, Texas back in the 1950s. So sort of the classic, the UFOs showed up and nobody's car would work and their radios all get staticky kind of thing on a, on a, on a wide scale. Air Force said it was ball lightning. But people disagree. And uh, coming later this fall also, we've got a new podcast coming called uh, Great Lakes Lore that mm. is going to be looking at weird history and the paranormal and strange, bizarre, sometimes fun, sometimes horrific things in uh, in the history of the Great Lakes states. And uh, that's going to be me and uh, Samantha, who's been on the show on The Saucer Life a few times. Uh, if you heard our Bigfoot conference episode, um, she was the one who went with me to that. So she and I excited to uh, get started on that too, which, which also might have some UFOs pop up, but also Dogman and Sasquatches and murders with ghosts and weird stories about old mental hospitals and, uh, and, and things nice. like that. So it's two historians looking at weird history and sorting out the legends from whatever truth we can find. Excellent. Look forward to all that. Absolutely. So, well, great. And what, one last question about yeah. that. What's your Halloween special on the saucer? Life oh, be this geez. Year? That's a good question. It's probably going to be schedule wise. I think the level land episode is close to where that's going to be. Yeah, it's probably going to be Leveland. So, nice. yeah, okay. spooky flying okay. saucers in uh, in in Texas. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron Golius of the Saucer Life Podcast. Thank you so much for taking part in this paranormal ponderings episode of the Bobcast. What a great interview! I loved talking to Aaron. Aaron is such a fount of knowledge when it comes to UFOs 
conspiracy theories, all kinds of weird stuff that's really, really incredible. How was that story about the black Cadillac sighting that he had near Point Pleasant, West Virginia? Oh my God, that is super creepy. If you know the history of that area, read the Mothman prophecies. I will definitely say that. That is kind of a must read for any kind of follower of all things UFOs in general. The Mothman Prophecies goes into a lot of detail about the strangeness that happened in Point Pleasant, West Virginia around 1967. Incredible book, and what a thing for Aaron to see. My gosh, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Thanks so much again, Aaron. I really do appreciate you coming on the Bobcast. Links to where you can buy Aaron's books and links where you can listen to the Saucer Life podcast will be up on this episode's page of the Bobcast website. That website is IWantAPartyWithBob.com slash podcasts. Just look for episode 120. There you go. Thanks so much to the band from Planet X for the song. You can check them out on Bandcamp. Links will also be up on the Bobcast website page for this episode for that Bandcamp site. So check it out. Thanks to this episode's sponsor, Good Life Digestive Health, for keeping my digestive system always prepared for consuming mass quantities. I do have a few words to say before we go about the series finale of the Paranormal Ponderings thing. This episode is nearly the last episode. This is number five. Number six is the final episode in the Paranormal Ponderings series. Look for that last episode in October of 2021. It's all going to get tied together, and it's going to be very interesting. So definitely stay tuned to the Bobcast for that. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Please remember, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please consider joining the Bobcast Patreon, which is patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob. Safe travels to you on your next interstellar journey. And thank you so much for listening to the I want to party with Bob Bobcast. Yeah.